Hi, friends, and welcome back to Confessions of a Leader. And today we're having a conversation about a topic that I am very passionate about, namely female rivalry. Through the course of my life, my career, and my motherhood to three girls, I have become very familiar with the dark side of femininity. And as a former recruiter and now a coach, I've heard too many stories of female rivalry to keep silent on the topic. It's a sensitive topic, but we need to talk about this. Not talking about it is a disservice to other women and ourselves. Today's episode gives insight into female rivalry, how to address it, and what part men need to take in it. Joining us today is Dr. Amber Tishner from Richmond, Virginia. She's the founder of 2B Coaching and Consulting and has a PhD in psychology. And she's a thought leader on the topic of female rivalry. Amber has 20 plus years experience working as an organizational consultant, helping guide businesses through transformational change. She's also got a book out called Behind Frenemy Lines, Rising Above Female Rivalry to be Unstoppable Together. So her goal is to promote collaboration over competition, to empower women to find their voice and to leave the rivalry behind. She wants us to team up with a community of like-minded women who support each other to be unstoppable together. Now, this episode was our first meeting, and the agenda was to get to know each other and then discuss how to approach the topic. But the pre-meeting had so many golden nuggets that we decided to make it our first podcast conversation. It will definitely not be the last. When I try to talk about this, especially women in leadership positions, they will stop me from talking about it and they will say that it's almost like it doesn't exist. And if you're saying it, then you are hurting uh, the, yeah. the, the women's movement in some way. It fully exists. And I think that's the problem. Like people don't want to talk about it. And I think sometimes it brings up guilt. Yeah. Maybe you've been the recipient of it, which is hor a horrible feeling, but maybe you've also projected it. And so then you have guilt or shame associated with it. And that's why you don't want to talk about it, but you don't have to stay in that same persona. Yes, it totally exists. I call it the elephant in the boardroom. It's like the big elephant sitting there, but people tiptoe around it and they mm -hmm. won't address it. They won't look at it, but it's disrupting the culture. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's not if it's just two women that it's occurring with. It's not just impacting those two women. It trickles out. So everybody that's working around them, the team or, you know, everybody in their area where they're sitting, if they're all together, it could even happen online. But mm -hmm. um it's disruptive because there's a sense of unease and people feel it. And so often when it's not talked about, it means bad behavior is being rewarded in the sense that it's not being addressed, but often good women will walk mm -hmm. because they don't know who they can trust. They don't know who to go to for support because it's not something that's open, you know, for a conversation. And so good women walk and then you have time, talent and money walking out the door. And often senior leadership has no clue 
what happened because the women leaving traditionally don't talk about it because they're like, see you later. I'm out of here. Why should I talk to you about it now? So <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So <sighs> it's a cyclical effect, but it's, yeah. So it is the elephant in the boardroom. It's this big thing that we need to break down piece by piece. Yeah. So what is it like in the States? How big of a problem is it? I think it's a pretty rampant problem. When I give talks or when I talk one-on-one or give groups, I'll often um, ask a bunch of questions and have everybody raise their hand at the beginning. And have you ever experienced this? Raise your hand. Have you ever this or that? And I maybe have 10 to 15 questions. And well, if you have one, raise your other hand or stand up. And honestly, most of the audience is standing by the time. And it can be little things. It can be exclusion. You know, it can be um, a friend of me. It could be you're friends with somebody and then one day you're not. It can be in your family. It could be with sports. It can be at work. It can be in your neighborhood. I initially started doing the research just in the working environment. And then I realized it's bigger than that. It just, it's kind of part of life for women, yes. unfortunately. And so, um, but again, I've also had women come up to me after and say, oh my gosh, I thought I was the only one. And I'm like, that's tragic. That just shows we need to talk about it. You're not yeah. the only one. If you look around and everybody's standing up, then you know that it's impacting other women. I just think there's so many facets of it. It's not tangible and it's passive aggressive. So it's very hard to name it sometimes when yeah. it's happening, especially when you're in it. And it's it's kind of the taboo topic. Yeah, because what I get is that a lot of women are thinking that there's something wrong with them. Why Absolutely. Does this, yeah, why does this happen to me? What did I do wrong? Yes, and especially if you are in the working environment and, some, and it, an instance occurs and you think, well, she didn't do that to me. I must have imagined it. Why would she do that to me? Because I didn't do anything to her. And so then it, it, it continues. And then, but then it slowly squishes down the woman who's receiving it because by then she's like, well, this is kind of real, but I can't name it. I don't know who to talk to, but it, she'll slowly start to lose her self-confidence and it's just, it, it hits so many different things. Mm Mm-hmm. So what was your story with this? Because I, I read on LinkedIn. Yeah. That, yeah, that you had a story yourself. So I, I did. I, um, I did all my research and I said, you know, I got my PhD in this. I did, I interviewed nine women at work and I'd had little tiny things, but nothing big. And, um, and I thought I knew it in and out. You know, I had great empathy, which I was like, gosh, these poor women. And, um, I felt like I could talk to it. And then I was fast forward a couple of years and I'm on a, I'm a consultant on a project and I'd been there and I knew I needed to make a change, but it was, it was easy with little children. So Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, well, you know, in time, and I wasn't that happy and it worked for our family. And, um, I was dealing with somebody at work that it was a struggle. It was a big struggle. I dreaded going to work. 
I would try to talk to her and she would never say there was a problem. But then later she would explode on me. I was excluded from meetings like it was awful. And I didn't see it, which is crazy Mm. because I studied it. But it was my mom that brought it to my attention. And she Mm. said, I hate to see how you doubt yourself all because of this woman. And I went, oh, my Lord, if this is happening to me and I've studied it, what is it doing to women that have no insight? You know, like I was shocked that I didn't see it and I was mad at myself, but you know what? It said it was the best, worst thing I could have experienced because I truly then knew Mm. I'm like, okay, now I know, I truly know what this feels like. So wow, I learned so much. And then after that occurred, that's when I started thinking, well, maybe I could write a book about this. And I started going through all of my transcripts of because I had continued to collect interviews from women and about their story. And I would read them and I would think, oh, yeah, that happened to me and that happened to me. And I could relate so well with them. And I thought, gosh, these new stories need to be shared. So how was that received? I have honestly... I've never had anything negative about it. It's just getting the word out. It takes time. You know what I mean? But um, no, I've, I've had so much support and so many people say, gosh, this is like real. Like, this is what happens. We need this. People need to read this. I've had, and it's, I've had women of all ages down from tweens and teenier, you know, teenagers to older women. And they're like, yeah, I could see myself in there. Mm-hmm. And then they said it, gosh, it made me remember when it happened to me and I'd forgotten about it. So yeah, it could relate. A lot of people can relate. Yeah, it's like you said, it's part of life for women, unfortunately. Why is that so? So in my research, and again, I've only studied women, so I'm, you know, generalizing the, the, the genders here, but I had to go back to a theory. Like what's the theory? And of course there's no theory on female rivalry. (laughs) So, um, I went back to theories of aggression. So, um, when infants are born, they are born with the same levels of aggression. It's just natural though, you know, um, but society tends to let boys go, you know, be rowdy and rough and tumble and play where girls like, no, don't act that way. It's not ladylike, you know, and and that varies from culture and different, you know, where you live. But then at the age of seven or eight for little girls, they start to develop their social intelligence. Mm. And so that is when they start to have the indirect aggressive thoughts and they're and boys will develop it as well but it's several years later so but they have a leg up on them Mm. and so that's when you see this new type of behavior occur which is the passive aggressive behavior the indirect aggression behaviors because up until that point it wasn't formed yet and so when you look at women and how they act often with the female rivalry it's very passive aggressive. It's very intangible. It's rare that it's um, a direct aggression. And with men, maybe you have Bob and Jim in the boardroom and they don't like something. And well, I don't agree with you, Bob. Well, Jim, it's done this way. An hour later, they could be on the golf course having a beer and (laughs) having fun, you know, like, and it's behind them. But frequently with women, it will sit and it will fester and it will grow. And then it becomes, 
well, you, you drive an ugly car or I don't like the way you dress or, you know, it festers and it expands and it's not talked about. Mm -hmm. And I think with women, often women will view themselves in comparison with other women. So it's your mother, your sisters, your friends. And so that's also part of this intangible passive aggressive social intelligence sort of thing that resonates um because because like you said men they get over it women tend to like you say it festers and it turns into resentment and and that is hard to get past in a work environment if Mm -hmm. it's not addressed oh absolutely and i think in a work environment Frequently, too, you will have teams that come together and you're expected to work together and have this camaraderie ship. And but maybe you don't know each other as people. Mm. And so that's a missing link as well. I think, you know, you're forced. That sounds extreme, you know, but you're you're expected to Mm. be in this group and all play nicely in the sandbox. But sometimes you don't even know who you're playing nicely with. And so there's there's stereotypes, there's misconceived perceptions or I think this about that or whatever. And so, um, you know, maybe you're not starting off right to begin with. Yeah. And do you find that when you don't deal with it, because some of the women that I helped into yeah. new jobs, yeah, they would leave instead of trying to figure it out, solve it. And what my, my concern was that when they move, just move to another company, that they will carry that story with them. And if they meet somebody who resembles Mm -hmm. some of the people who have, uh, yeah, hurt them or treated them Mm -hmm. badly, then it's just going to put them back into that same mode. 100%. It's a double whammy even. Yeah. So it's the experience from the previous work environment, but it's also... Maybe it's triggering something like when you were a young girl, maybe it's like in fifth grade, then you were dealing with somebody and you never dealt with that frenemy or that mean girl that you experienced on the playground. And so all these feelings, because you were taught, oh, it's no big deal. Shake it off. Yeah. But it is a big deal if you haven't dealt with it and it makes you, if it makes you feel inferior or not good enough. So then when you're experiencing it as an adult, it takes you right back to where you were when you were a young girl Mm. and you feel all of those feelings that you may not have ever dealt with. Frequently women won't say why they are leaving a work environment. If it's because of a female rivalry situation, because if they don't know who to trust, They don't know who to confide in. They don't know who has, you know, if somebody's on her side or, you know, I've had women tell me they went to HR and H said, HR said, well, you're making that up and they weren't believed. And so when you're already feeling down and not good about yourself, just leaving probably feels like the best reason or best thing to do. But yeah, frequently it's not ever dealt with. And so then the woman that stays, somebody new will come in and she'll do the same thing. So it's a cycle yeah. of negative behavior. And so I firmly think that when it's occurring in a working environment, 
is a lack of psychological safety in the working environment. And so the um, outcome is a bullying or female rivalry type of behavior, but there's fear there. You can't speak up. You can't be yourself. You can't let other people know what's going on. And so it's, it's a negative organizational culture and it feels like an unsafe psychologically environment to work in. Yeah. And like you said, if you don't talk about it, you think you're alone. And if you had spoken about it, you might have seen that, okay, you're not the only one in the team. You're not in in, Yes. Maybe she's doing it to Mary or somebody else, you know, like, but because you're not speaking about it. um, And one of the stories in my book, one woman, she got so physically upset that she became physically ill. And went into the restroom and another gal came in and said, oh, no, not you, too, because she had witnessed the the exchange. And that's how they broke down their barrier that it had been going on to different team members, but no one had talked about it. And I'm sorry, if you're vomiting in the bathroom because of how somebody's treating you, that's horrible. It's not something wrong with you. No, yeah. but your body, it's a talk, it's toxic. Yeah. And so your body's reacting to it because it's not healthy and no, but it's not wrong with you. But if, if it continues over and over after some time, you might think it, there's yeah. something wrong with you. Cause what I hear is like, Oh, maybe I'm too sensitive. Yes. Or the <laughs> gaslighting or, you know, where they will say something and, the response will be, well, you imagined that. I didn't quite say it that way. Or you always make such a big deal of everything. Why are you so sensitive? Yeah, why are you so sensitive? Or, you know, just make, and that further exacerbates and then more of the squish down and losing confidence. So could you explain the gaslighting principle or to the to the listeners I've seen it pop up a lot of places lately but I don't think everyone has a understanding of what it is so gaslighting it's a form of psychological manipulation and it's when a person or group sows seeds of doubt within another individual and it makes them question their own memory or their own actions so here are some examples like you're overreacting Oh, but no, when I said that, I was just joking. You know, it's like making something seem like turning it into a joke. But, you know, sometimes, you know, when people joke, the underlying feelings is like, that's not a joke. That's not funny. You're so sensitive. You twist things or just calm down. One of my favorites. Like, no, that's really prickly. Or you're very dramatic. Or I didn't do that. Or it's always something with you. So it's these backhanded things like you know how you feel when a person said something to you that doesn't make you feel right but then they'll retaliate with oh come on lighten up yeah and it's like it's not you it's them especially Mm -hmm. if it's ongoing or reoccurring so um one thing that falls into that category that I like to say are indirect compliments like a Mm. compliment given that's not really nice, but it sounds nice. You know, like I had one to me, well, oh, wow, you're actually wearing color today. Well, uh, don't you look nice? I I like to wear solid color. I like to wear black or white or solids. And I was wearing a pattern that day. And I, I thought, I don't know if she means that nice. It just felt weird, you know? And I had another gal tell me, which this was a doozy. She said, 
I was riding with a, a fellow teacher in the car and the teacher was younger than her, but there was always kind of that angst between them. And she said, the gal looked over and she said, gosh, you look really good today. Did you get a facelift? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And, and she's like, I just saw her a couple days ago and no, I didn't get a facelift, but if I would have, I would have been out for, you know, a chunk yes. of time. It was just like, who says stuff like that? <laughs> ah, yeah. It's, it's like yeah. when they, when they give you a compliment, but you can feel the sting with it. Yes. You do feel the sting. That's a great way to put it because yeah. it's, it doesn't feel sincere. No, no. That's one form of a little female rivalry type, but there's so many nuances to it, but that's yeah. definitely one of it. So is there a type of personality? What, what are the traits of the typical woman who, who is doing the bullying because it is bullying? So it's very gray. So what I've gleaned from my research and talking to all these women, there really isn't a black and white type of behavior for this. What it stems from absolutely are low self-esteem, mm. the need for control, just as not a nice person, doesn't feel good about herself and or wants, you know, something you have. You're, I am a firm believer that women who like themselves like other women. Mm. And so in this type of behavior, I call it your she-bully, the little voice that will whisper in the back of your head and talk and put you down. And we all have her, you mm -hmm, know, like, mm -hmm. and you just have to say, get out of here. I'm going to, you know, you're not going to ruin my day or I'm not going to listen to you. But I'm a firm believer that women who exude this type of behavior do not like themselves yes. at their core. Yeah. Because how can you treat somebody that way, you know mm -hmm. what you're doing. And sometimes there are behaviors where maybe it's a, a cultural difference, or maybe somebody's very shy and she comes off as being aloof. You know, you always have to, I think, step back and look at, am I contributing to this at all? Yes. But if, if the person is good at what she's done, and if she's done it before, chances are you are in her direct path and she wants you out of the way. Mm-hmm. But mm -hmm. you always want to look if, you know, be mindful of, are you triggering something for somebody? Is there a type of personality that is more exposed to, to this kind of behavior from other women? In the research I've done, often I'll clump them together. So again, it's not black and white, but let's say uh, somebody new coming out of college and they're, they have their first big job and they're excited. They're eager. They're cute. They dress nice. They're ready to do everything, have a great personality, but maybe there's an older woman that's been there and she feels threatened. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of the women I've interviewed have been a threat to the, I'll say quote, the other woman, because she has a great personality. She looks nice, you know, like things it's, I don't want to say superficial things, but it's things that make the other person feel insecure or, yeah. or a perceived threat to her. And my thought is, so yes, you have someone new and eager coming in out of the workforce. That's wonderful. She can teach you some new, maybe cutting edge things, but you on the other hand can teach her the work culture and how things are done. And you can work together and 
my gosh, you would have such, you could have such a great collaboration between the two of you, because I guarantee you probably 95% true. The new girl coming in is so excited to learn for you and you could be her mentor instead of being threatened by her. But that often is not the case. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear that. Going back to women who like themselves like others, this starts at an early age before they enter the workforce because I Absolutely. have kids. I have kids in, uh, yeah. Yeah, in, in high school and even in elementary school, this behavior starts. I heard a Norwegian researcher who is, he researches on um, bullying yeah. uh, in typically elementary school. Yeah. Uh, he said that the mean girls yeah. often end up in leadership positions when they enter the workforce and they continue doing the bullying there. My thought has been, how can we start talking to our kids, to our girls? Because I have three girls. They're 20, 15, and 13. Yes. And um, how can we start talking to them at an early age so that this doesn't have to be a part of their life? So I, my daughter, I have a 13 year old and I remember I was in the middle of my research when she was in kindergarten. And I remember naively thinking, oh gosh, we, we have until middle school. No, mm-hmm. she came home one day and she was telling me about some of the things that were occurring on the playground. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh no, it's already begun. And the thing is at that age, That is a learned behavior. That is not intrinsic within these little girls. They are mirroring behaviors that they are seeing at home, either from moms, grandparents, people that are predominant in their lives. And so it's sad. So they're mirroring what they see. And I think we start talking about it at an early age. I think it should be in schools. I think it should be part of the bullying training. And it does not surprise me that the mean girls are in leadership positions because they're strong personalities there, you know, mm-hmm. and that's their go-getters. And you don't have to be a mean girl to be in a leadership position. And we're not saying everybody no, is, a, you no, know, in no, leadership. Not. Is that not <laughs> thank at God, all? No. Yeah. Thank goodness. Yeah. But yeah. no, it, um, we need to have talks. So I, um, I do on occasion, I'll speak to girls and usually it's like seventh grade to high school and one day I was speaking to this group and the girls were all in the middle and the moms were on the outskirts and um, I asked those questions that I had told you like have you ever experienced this or have you ever experienced this and they all stood up because every single one of them and I saw the look of disbelief on their mom's faces they were in shock because they don't talk about it. The girls don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a problem. Yeah. And especially is. now with, you know, I call it keyboard courage, but you have the mean girls on social media and the, what you can say on a screen, they probably never would say to somebody's face, mm-hmm. but they get away with it because, you know, certain apps make it vanish. And they have more courage when they, you know, have the keys to type. Yes, but that goes for adults as well on social exactly. media. Oh, 100% with anybody, which is yeah. wrong. Yeah, yeah. It's, 
It's awful. What tips can you give women? Because one thing is, okay, how we can talk to our children, but how can we recognize things with ourselves that, because a lot of women will be honest and say that they don't like themselves. Yes. I'm not too worried about them because if they have that ability to be honest about it, then they are also... They can look inward. Yes. 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 But then you have the women who won't admit it. And outwardly, they look perfect. Everything looks great. They have a great resume. They have a social media presence that's flawless and everything is great. Uh, Well, I think that's the perfection problem. But yes, yes, I think a lot of women won't. I just wrote a blog post about this. A lot of women won't admit that they've ever done. I'm sure I know I've done it, you know, Mm -hmm. like in um, not in my age I am now at Mm -hmm. all, but definitely in, you know, teens and 20s. Like it's easy to do. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to do if you are with a group. I call it the group brain. You get that group mentality. But I think it's always good to self-reflect. Again, mm-hmm. how, how, how could I be potentially contributing to this situation? I think in any situation, I call it practice the pause. Before you respond, before you react, before you do anything, step back and really look at how will this benefit me? And is it, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you're responding to a negative behavior being thrown at you, yeah. um, you do not do not have control over any type of behavior that's projected at you. Mm-hmm. And it's, it sucks to be in the, the receiving end of it. You always have control over your own behavior and how yeah. you respond. Being mindful. I think there's the emotional intelligence factor and being mindful and looking like, treat others how you want to be treated and being kind. Like, are you going to be BFFs with everybody? No, that's just, there's too many people out there, mm-hmm. but you can always include and always invite. I look at my social circles as different rings and they, yeah. they, they're, you know, tighter on them in the middle. And then as you go out, they expand. Am I really close with the people on the outskirts? No, but I'll wave and say hi, or, you know, socially, I might know them at one level. They might not know me really personally, but you can always be kind. You just, and you never know what people are going through, but I think that's lost sometimes. And Mm -hmm. so, and, and when you feel threatened, step back and think, what's this trigger? Why do I feel threatened? Mm -hmm. Why do I not feel good about myself? And then it's listening if that she bully is talking. And if you feel that a lot, I think, Focus on that first because you need to focus on loving yourself first. But I have so I don't even know the statistics, but the things we say to ourselves, especially when they're negative, most often you would never in a million years say to somebody else. And so it's important. You have to love yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the big thing. Uh, That's what I get from my, uh, the people I coach as well. They don't love themselves and they don't even like themselves. Yes. Um, So then how can you manage and like a team? They're going to feel it. They'll feel the resentment or the anger or the dislike, like all of the negative emotions. And don't get me wrong. Not every day is rosy and perfect, but if you like yourself and you have a, a mindset of 
well, I can do this or I don't need to be in competition with her. And don't, don't get me wrong too. I think sometimes competition is a wonderful thing. I think it can push you to be better mm-hmm. in teams and groups and that's fabulous. But when it turns to the jealousy or the yeah. envy, that's when it gets really ugly. And so. Why is it that we compare uh, ourselves to the people around us? I think it's the self-doubt. Um, maybe it's too. There's so that's the thing. There's so many faucets of why it's like this. Maybe you were raised that way. Yeah. Maybe you grew up in a household where there was, you know, you were never told that you were loved or you were never good enough. And or the, you know, the comparisons. Maybe you just don't like yourself. And that she bully is there. Um, the comparison, the imposter syndrome, I think all of that is hand in hand. And so it's Stepping back and looking inward, I think, before you look outward, because it often comes down to viewing yourself. Yeah. And I think for me, because I was I was insecure. I didn't like myself. I didn't yeah. love myself. And uh, I wanted to fit in. And I yes. felt like I didn't fit in. I felt like I was different. And I was always comparing myself with those who fit in, who looked like yeah. they fit in. And then I tried to be less this, yes. less that, more this, more that. And But it, that wasn't you. No. <laughs> no, I bet you. And you probably were worse. You were less happy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like that either. I didn't no. like myself as that either. Yeah. So it was only when I, accepted and embraced who I was and understood that I'm not going to be everyone's cup of tea not everyone's going to like me and uh, not everyone's going to understand me but I'm going to try my best to treat people kindly and I could hear that I was too enthusiastic that I was too much and uh, and this is even with my husband we've been married for 22 years yeah and if I come home and I tell him about this thing and I'm like, really, you know what happened? And this, uh, and he says, well, don't be angry with me. And I said, I'm not angry. I'm engaged. Yes. 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 Oh yes. Well, and it's true. And I think you made me think of myself too. Like I, in my twenties, I, had great friends and I loved them. And I would have said I liked myself, but I had no self-confidence. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you have to go through things sometimes to gain that. And I didn't have it. And so once I started getting that, then I knew what I felt better about myself, you know, and, and well, if I fit in, I fit in, or if I don't, then those aren't my people, mm-hmm. you know, like, when you said with the young girls, that's what I see is so necessary for grade school and especially middle schoolers and high school, you're starting even then, but letting these girls know that they're accepted for who they are. Like you might be different than her and that's okay. And you might be quirky in this way and that's okay. You're unique, but embrace that. It's embracing all of your abilities. And I don't think I I wasn't taught that at that age. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't talked about. No. No, no, because in school you're supposed you're supposed to fit in the box. You're supposed to sit yes. quietly in your seat yeah. to listen, to be concentrated, focused, work. Yeah. Do yeah. So so anything that yeah. deviates from that, yeah. you're yeah. not supposed to 
challenge your teacher in a no. way that feels it, because yeah. then you are outside of the box and you are a troublemaker yes exactly yes. yeah yeah <laughs> yes and it's so that just puts the pressure on fitting in and, and yes. being in that box and being like yeah. everyone else yeah. so even if you're too quiet if you don't talk if you don't raise your hand then that's also a problem yeah it's um I think that if we could do something to teach the girls early on uh, that it's okay to be you and also give them a mindset of how you treat other women. Because I've been thinking about this. If I could have an impact on the friends of my girls, um, it would give them a headway into the workforce because when if they come out of school secure about who they are they don't have to know all of the aspects because they're still growing but yes being okay with being who they are at that place and at that moment then they would be also more open to other people in the workforce being different yes Uh, and then they're even at the friends age or school age their friends see that you know and then there's less of a competition I know I'm sure my daughter gets sick of me talking to her but I'll say okay I know that (laughs) yeah that she's not may not be your bff yes but be kind and include her and if you don't like what she's saying walk away you do not have to engage Mm -hmm. and on social media just because you are connected on social media you do not have to engage you don't have to block her because then now oh then there's the uproar of blocking somebody but and at some point if you want to go for it but Anybody that makes you feel not good about yourself, walk away, disengage, really evaluate. And if it's repetitive, then at some point you need to look at at what point do I have a planned response or something to, you know, you don't want somebody to walk all over you. There's a difference with that. But often being the bigger person is not engaging in negative behavior because you have to truly question where it will get you. Mm -hmm. And I think what you said about BFFs, it's yeah. become like a thing that it's it's what everyone is um, striving for, that yeah. BFF. But when you're young, the chance of meeting your, <laughs> your BFF is no. like slim to none. I know. And I say, okay. No, you do not need a BFF now. No. You can have like, maybe you have your sports buddy and then the school buddy and then the neighborhood buddy. And then, the you know, it's good to have a lot of friends that you're, you know, in common, have things in common with. <laughs> yes, I say that too. And I say, you know what? Get good at networking. Yes, it Get starts at that age. Yeah, it does. So, because they'll be like, I don't have that special one. No, but you have... 10 great people uh, in different circles feed into those relationships and and build, keep building that, get comfortable with getting to know people. And one of the things that I, my kids are probably sick and tired of hearing (laughs) is when you're reaching out to some, to some of your friends, call them. Oh Lord. I know. I'm like, and you ask questions like, do you ask what they're doing this weekend? Or is it just, 
No, oh, no, no, they're sending. No, no, a, they're not no. sending a snap. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that and then disappears. they have to, Yeah, yeah, and they have to sit and wait for the response, and and then they, they get irritated. I'm like, yeah. just because you're on social media doesn't mean you're not guaranteed a. There's no, no rule that it has to be instant. No, 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 no. Oh, look, I, we have I, the same conversations. Yeah, yes. <laughs> but I think that the both the girls and the boys that yeah. learn to pick up the phone and call oh, and yes. talk directly with yes. uh, with their peers, they it's will. Huge. Yeah, they will. Because go, I think later when these kids hit yeah. the workforce, it's going to be a lacking skill. You can't yeah. sit at your desk and say hi. Oh, I'm typing you. Yes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh. I'm trying to influence yeah. clients and uh, and getting new clients. I know. Yeah, you can't do that on Snapchat. I'm sorry. No, you can't. <laughs> well, you can, but not probably. Not that way. Not the right way. No. no. It's because we're losing the building of relationships and connections. Yes. and Because there's so much focus on getting that BFF. Uh, but yes. it's like I, I tell my kids that at their age, it was the same. Yeah. We like one yeah. week you were with those yes. two and you had and everything was hunky-dory. Well, things change so much. And yeah. you look at your, your body's changing. Yes. Your interests are changing. Yeah. And that impacts everything. Yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's true. So what can women do? If they have somebody gaslighting them, yeah, what would be a great way to respond to that? I'll take it from the lens, but this could apply outside of the work environment. I'll take it from the, if this is occurring at work. First and foremost, um, document, document, document. Hmm. Especially if you're not sure who to trust or yeah. talk to, but it feels vague because this is so, these behaviors are so vague. So document, document, document. You can't do that enough because at some point a pattern will evolve and it will form itself. And then when you go to your manager or senior leader or HR, you have a little bit more. It's still, I guess, hearsay a little bit if it's she versus she, you know, but you have proof Mm -hmm. or you can share what you've done. How, how do you document? When I was doing it, I would take great notes. I would take great notes or I would type up like, okay, this happened. I wasn't invited to this meeting or I was left out of this. Or I know the gal I worked with, she would say things to me in meetings and say something totally different to other people. So I would just take notes. And she, she one time said, wow, you take such amazing, amazing notes. And I was thinking, yeah, I'm covering <laughs> my backside because I have proof that this is what you said in a meeting to me. And so, or a journal, you know, something, whatever you feel comfortable using. If you feel comfortable, I'm also a com- big proponent of it's not working between the two of you. Maybe ask her to go get coffee or to take a walk or something. Step outside of the environment you're in and get to the personal. And I tried this too. It didn't work. But it, <laughs> I, I said, I felt like our communication could be better. I put it back on me. What can I do to improve? Oh, nothing, Amber. Everything's great. The next day, two days later, she went off on me. But I think with her, she didn't like to be caught off guard. So when, you know, when I approached her, that wasn't in her personal comfort zone, trying to get them to know them as a real person or talk to them. I think I'm a big advocate of that too. If, if it gets to the point where it's 
hugely abrasive, mm-hmm. have somebody else go to a meeting with you or, you know, where it's not just the two of you. If you feel you need a, a second person there to have your back, because chances are that behavior won't show itself. I do think it's great to bring in HR or a manager because then you can have some training or somebody to help facilitate the conversations, or at least there's awareness that it's going on. And you don't know, maybe somebody else has had the same issue and it's already gone to HR. It's just like those things aren't openly discussed. Yeah. In an organizational setting, I think this should be talked about at all levels. I'm a fan of implementing bystander training, just so everybody is aware that this behavior won't be tolerated. Mm-hmm. And maybe you have code words. Another one is humor. It's, mm-hmm. but it's hard when you're feeling squished down. But, well, Mary, I don't think you mean, meant to tell me that like that. Like, that yeah. just didn't feel good. Like, in making light of it, but it lets the other person know, I see what you're doing and I'm not going to take it. Yes. Especially if you respond, if there are other people around. And yeah. those things always come to me later, like, darn, I should have thought of that in the moment. But, um, yeah, it's... There's lots of little ways. And at some point you have to just look at how is this serving me? Is it ever going to change? Is this an environment I need to stay in? And that Mm -hmm. can be in a work environment. It can be in a social setting. It's much harder in a family situation, but you have to look at boundaries and what you're willing to accept or not. Mm -hmm. And it's hard. I'm not saying it's easy, but you have to look at, how long can I go on like this? And mm-hmm. what is it doing to me personally? Yeah. And from a, for a manager, yeah. what tip do you have? What, what advice can you give on how, because they might see this. I've heard. Yeah. I, and especially, especially male managers. Yes, men are scared of it because they, yes. yes um, and they don't want to get into it. So they, they, they need just, to get into it. Yeah. They need to ask, are you okay? What's going on? Or even bring them both together. I see this occurring or maybe one-on-one because chances are, if you bring them both together at once, you're not going to get the whole story. Yeah. Especially if the woman projecting it is a very strong personality. The other woman already feels squished. She's not going to stand up. Also, if the woman projecting it has any influence over your salary or promotional track, that's control. Like there's fear involved, true fear. And I've had a lot of women say there was fear involved, but then like, I didn't have time to look for another job, you know, looking for a new job is a full-time job and I couldn't just walk away. So but sometimes you have to. And yeah. so I, my one big thing I always tell women, no matter what you are doing, keep your resume up to date. Good so advice. it's easier if you have to step away to start that process. So you're not going back and thinking, gosh, I've been at this job for 10 years. I, what have I done? Like how, you know, but if you can keep that up to date, even if it's on LinkedIn or something yes. where you have a small amount, but yeah, that's hugely helpful. But looking for a job is a full time job. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not advocating that you just quit. But if you're not getting the support you need in that work mm-hmm. environment, it is sounds like a dysfunctional culture. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, yeah keeping your your CV updated and yes. also uh, keeping your network always yes. growing, Huge. Always, always active. Yeah. Yes. And that's to networking. I've met some wonderful women that I know hands down, 
they are uplifting me whether I'm with them or not and vice versa just because, but so I'll say, get your date on. Like sometimes you might have to date. That's how we all met our significant others. You know, like you can date women, like go to different networking events. If it's Mm -hmm. not the right group for you, try a new one. Sometimes you won't know until you're in it a few times, but there are women out there that uplift and empower each other. You just have to find the right fit for you because it breaks my heart when women say they will never work for another woman. Yeah. They will never work on an all female team or they don't have female friends. Life is too short and women need each other. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, that is so true. That's yeah. so true. And there are so many great women out there, both women leaders. Some of my best leaders yeah. were women most of the men were also good leaders. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, But then I've had some incidents where I've met the mean girls, both as a leader that they were my leader, but also um, as colleagues, friends in the friend group or social setting, in the the school, parents. And it can be a very souring experience, you know, like it's horrible. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, it can really rock your world. What would you say to the people who say that talking about this is an attack on on feminism, that we're doing women a disservice by talking about it? I think it's a huge disservice to not talk about it because mm-hmm. I think it's a silent epidemic. It's rare I've met a woman who has not been on the receiving of this in some form or another. And I've talked to a lot of women about mm-hmm. this. I mean, it is rare. I can count on one hand. Yeah. I and would say that if you're yes. a woman who hasn't yeah. been on the receiving end, then you should start looking within. Because yeah, then it's, it's, it's a, so rare. Yeah. And I'm not, I think it's more feminist to work with other women and empower and uplift each other rather yeah. than to not really be transparent about behaviors we all know are occurring yes because they are there and it's you know for so long society has made fun of it it's just women being dramatic or they're Mm -hmm. having a cat fight or it's in popular media it's on social media it's on reality tv shows it's oh it's humorous Mm -hmm. it's far from it some of the women I've talked to, I, I can't diagnose them, but I'm sure they've had PTSD. It's yeah. horrible. Oh, yeah. They have physical, mental, emotional problems that arise from this yeah, behavior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it it's a disservice to women. Yeah. I think the more it's talked about, the more, and maybe some people don't want to talk about it because they don't want women uniting, but I firmly believe that we can overcome this and be better together. I think that one of the problems that I've heard from managers is that they're afraid of putting their hand in the beast nest. Yes. Well, they don't know. They probably don't know have the tools or know no. how to. Yes. Cause they're yeah. afraid of stirring up something yeah. that they can't I like handle. the bees nest. Yes. Yeah. That's good. The queen bee in the bees. Nest. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I agree. But so. as long as they're not dealing with it, it's still there under the surface and it's causing so much harm to the business because they're losing talented people. They're having people underperforming because of, uh, of the stress. Yeah. 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 They are, but it needs to be talked about. I think that's, I've talked to, to a lot of uh, male groups lately and they've been enamored. I went to a luncheon to speak and it was a ladies luncheon and I was shocked that half of the 
audience members were men. Oh, and then I'm, like, I'm like, okay, this is not a male bashing session, but we're going to talk about women here. They were so engaged. They asked so many questions. They had huge looks of disbelief on their face. And so I firmly believe that men can be allies. Yeah. And I just think they're not sure how. So yeah. um, in June, I have a blog that will come out um, about how men can be allies in their families, but how they can also do it in the work environment. And I think it's men want to help. They see it often. Sometimes they don't just because they don't act that way. But if men are aware of what's going on, there's way, there are ways they can offer support for sure. Yes. And that's funny that you say that because what I've seen, especially with the family, if one of the girls have had some issues with other girls and yeah. we have to talk to the, pa- to the parents, it's usually yeah. the mothers who talk. And oh, I've been almost pulling my hair out some of the times. And then I finally told my husband, you know what? You are the one who has to go in and talk to them about this issue. Because yeah. with me, they're not gonna they're not gonna listen just because I'm a woman and woman. they they yeah. mark me as a frantic mom. But yes. with you, if you come in and it's sad that it that's is. the it way it is. The dynamic though, but yes, I yeah. agree with you. Yeah. 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 When you talk about using men as allies, I think that is actually, it's it's a good idea. I love men. I love yeah. working in a yeah, work environment where you have both men and women. Because if a situation escalates or there's a lot of emotion yeah. uh, and these things going on, men can come in and, and they come in with... It changes things. That's why yeah. even if you have one man on a team of all women, the dynamic changes. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And uh, I do believe that we have something to learn from the men. They have something to learn from us. Absolutely. So it's it's not it's not a competition. No. Um, it's not that we're looking for them as our savior, but I, it's about no. Maybe, it's, but it's, it's about, collaborating. It's yes. working together. And yeah. learning from each other. That's yeah. huge. And drawing yeah. on the strengths of the genders. Yes. Yeah. I, I really believe that. But tell me about your book. What's the name? Oh. What's the title of your book? My book is called Behind Frenemy Lines, Rising Above Female Rivalry to Be Unstoppable Together. I love that. And it's that. Um, on Amazon. It's on Audible. It's at all other bookstores. And it's also digital the hardcover and then audio. So there's various ways to read or listen to it. I love that. I'm a big, huge fan of Audible because it allows me to read a lot of books and I can speed it up and I can. Yes. And I I do it when I walk all the time. Yes. Yes. Or in the car. Yes. When I'm doing dishes. Yes. Whatever I'm doing, yeah, before going to bed, uh, I love that. But I also, I also love physical book. I love the smell of Yes, I do too. (laughs) My daughter couldn't understand that. I'm like, it's a new book smell. Yes. I love it. Yes. I know. I know. So, yeah. So they can get that book anywhere. Yes. On Amazon or they can get the Audible book. Yes. Great. Thank you so much for being on and uh, it's been inspiring talking to you and I hope you will come back and we can dive deeper into this topic because there are so many things to talk about and oh uh, lord I know we could talk I I, we have a good chemistry going I feel like we could 
continue this conversation for a while. So Yes, <laughs> so let's do that. Thank you for coming on and uh, have a great day. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me as a guest. Loved having you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. And we'll be having more of these conversations with Amber in the future because this topic, unfortunately, never grows old. And if you have any questions you would like her to address in an upcoming episode, please write to me. You'll find my email address in the show notes. It can be a situation that's going on in your, in your life or in your work life that you wonder how Amber would deal with it. And my challenge for you today is to educate yourself on this topic so that you can recognize when you're being targeted and how to deal with it. And don't be afraid to ask for help. Maybe you're not sure if this is going on or if you're reading too much into a situation. A good way to start is to go to someone you trust will be honest with you, but also has your best at heart, and then describe the situation to them and listen to their thoughts. It doesn't have to be someone at work, but someone who knows you well. And if you do talk to someone at work, make sure it is someone who isn't among the office gossipers. So head on over to Amazon or Audible and grab a copy of Amber's book, Behind Frenemy Lines. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button on this podcast so you never miss an episode. I've recorded a couple guest episodes that are in the editing process, so there's more to come. Until then, I wish you a great day in service to your family, your workplace, and your community. Enjoy your day. Meet Dagen. Meet Dagen.